You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is the one and only Landon McCool. You can find him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Landon, how are you doing today, sir? Good. We got, you know, actual practice reports, like people getting together to do football type things with helmets on even. It's it's exciting, even though it's very little. Yeah, I was going to say actual practice stuff. It might be stretching it a little bit, but we have yeah. football activities. That's the most important part. We're we're actually talking about football again. So coming up on today's show, we discussed some of the news and notes from the Cowboys' second OTA practice that was held on Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday morning-ish uh, out in Dallas. So uh, we've got about nine different notes that we want to run through. So let's go ahead and get it started. Um, some of these notes are from uh, some of our friends and our reporters out there. Some of these are from the team and uh, scouts like Brian Broaddus, who uh, do a great job covering these practices for us because they're, you cannot have live video out there. The Cowboys can't tweet out a bunch of stuff. So we got to kind of go by you know, what we're hearing from our trusted uh, you know, our favorite people. So um, let's go ahead and jump right into it. And let's talk about Jordan Lewis. And I think this might have been the most interesting note of the day. Uh, the Cowboys started with three cornerbacks in typically what they consider their nickel defense. Uh, and that would be with Byron Jones as the right cornerback, Chidobi Awuzie as the left cornerback, and Anthony Brown inside as the slot cornerback, making Jordan Lewis the team's fourth cornerback. Why do you think the Cowboys are having Brown ahead of Jordan Lewis at this point in OTAs? You know, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it, first of all, it's extremely early. So let's we don't want to read too it's much May. into any yeah. of this. Yeah. So, um, but I think that, you know, part of it could be, you know, if I remember correctly hearing this, his first snaps were as the second team left corner. So... I, I, it could be more that they're trying to get him some more snaps outside. They know what he can do inside, and, and maybe they're trying to get him more work on the outside to see if he's uh, uh, someone that they should be competing for time outside there. Um, but I, I, I think that, uh, you know, at this point, it's really kind of tough to say. I mean, clearly, uh, we know we're, we're saying all this knowing that Rashard prefer, prefers, you know, longer outside corners you know, just in his, in his past with Seattle. So d- is that affecting uh, Jordan Lewis's uh, ability to you know maintain a spot on a d- the depth chart in the top three? I, I don't know, I, but I think at this point, you know, it's it's too early to say for certain. It, it, they all, and, and defensive back is such a, especially corners, such a spot that, you know, you're going to see guys moving inside and outside. It, it's kind of difficult to kind of read too much into anything at this point. Can I, can I spit a hot take real quick? Yeah. Are you ready? Uh, no, I, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think Jordan Lewis is a better outside cornerback than he is a nickel cornerback. I, 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 I guess I never really understood last year when he was coming out of the draft. People just assumed that he was going to play inside. When everything he did at Michigan was on the outside, at the Senior Bowl, it was at the outside. When he was put inside uh, to cover the the slot receivers, you know, in the Senior Bowl, he, he got eaten up pretty easily. Uh, and then he played well as an outside cornerback last year. So... I, I'm just wondering if, as of right now, Anthony Brown is, isn't just a better player at that spot. and Maybe he will always be a better player at that spot. And that's why, uh, actually yesterday, I sent out a tweet saying, 
you know, maybe Lewis is the the guy that the Cowboys need to start on the outside, despite not having that ideal length uh, and size. But it, it's going to be interesting to what happens with Lewis because he might be the most instinctful of all the cornerbacks, but he just doesn't have the size and the athleticism that Chris Richard wants. So is he going to get lost in the shuffle? You know, I, I don't think that he gets lost in the shuffle. If 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 things... You know, if he is not a good fit for this defense or something, then I think he immediately becomes very valuable trade trade bait. Um, but because especially with the depth and, you know, I, I think if if I have to say if this is if these kind of you know measurements on length and that sort of thing are so are that level of uh, important and 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 you know such an indicator for success in this uh, defense on the outside, then as much as this hurts uh, uh, Lewis, I think this has to help a guy like Marquez White. Yeah, and absolutely. so I, I think – so the, then the question becomes, does you know Marquez White rise at, at that spot? And if, if that is happening, do we have too many corners? It, it, I mean, I know you can't have too many corners, but, but I'm saying like – do we have a, a, an, a, an option or an availability to maybe move a Jordan Lewis or somebody else uh, for for some some you know another spot, a defensive tackle or a safety or something? So I, I don't know. I, I think that uh, you know I think it's all very early. They're trying out a whole bunch of different combinations, um, and and maybe if this has more to do with they them liking him on the outside uh, more than not liking him on the inside. Um, and you mentioned, uh, you know, Marquez White. I'm going to read the arm lengths and the size of their three undrafted free agent corners that they brought in. Uh, Cam Kelly, the guy that's been getting a lot of pub uh, from San Diego State, he is six foot two, 204 pounds, has 32 inch arms. Uh, Charvarius Ward, cornerback from Middle Tennessee State, 32 and a fourth uh, arms. He's six foot one, 200 pounds. And Donovan Alumbo, the cornerback from Portland State. Six foot two, 192 pounds, 33 inch arms. Uh, that's a lot of size at that back end of the roster. So I am a little bit curious. Are they going to, you know, are they going to try to fill this whole defensive back with these long athletes that can play corner and maybe transition out of guys like Jordan Lewis? We'll see. I I, I think yeah, Jordan Lewis. I think Lewis is too good of a player to basically just throw him aside because of you know certain measurables. I mean he he's not. He doesn't have short arms. His arms are thirty-one inch, thirty-one and five-eighths inches. So it's not. That's not small. Yeah, I I don't know that they're throwing him away. I, I, again, I, I I it's very early in this process. Richard has come out and at least given lip service to the fact that Lewis is the exception there, uh, to to a lot of that stuff because of the way he plays the game. So I mean, the fact that they're trying him outside, that they're playing him outside to me is something, you know, because they don't view him as too short or not long enough to play outside. Otherwise, why would they even bother with right. him out there? So I, I, I think we all should just, you know, there's a lot of bodies there and it's only the nickel defense that we saw. So, you know, who knows what happens when they throw the dime out there? Maybe it's a different group. So it's just all things to consider. How surprised would you be if Jordan Lewis is the fourth cornerback entering the season? I, I mean, I would I would be surprised, but but I I think that you know if if that happens, I think that's you know it's probably a good thing. Probably it, it means it, it means that Anthony Brown has come back to a twenty sixteen is that right twenty sixteen yep. twenty sixteen yep. form, 
uh, and and found his way b- b- back playing in the slot. And that's the one thing is that one thing that Anthony Brown never kind of really struggled with too much was playing in the slot. Like I, I feel like he, you know, playing in the slot was probably where he's always been his most comfortable, and is the problems that he's had is playing outside. So maybe. You know, maybe they're figuring out what 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 you're saying with that 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 Lewis is better a guy outside in that rotation, and 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 Brown, you're going to get the most out of playing him in, in the slot. All right, so we have three different notes on the wide receiver position, and I'm going to just kind of throw them all together yeah. so we can move yeah. on. So uh, l- let's go ahead and do that. So. Uh, the, our first note is that seven different receivers kind of got a run with the first team offense uh, on Wednesday. Uh, Dak Prescott also kind of came out and said the NFL not you don't need a number one receiver to to survive in this league. And our final note is Alan Hearns is moving all over the formation for the Cowboys. So just give me your thoughts on those three notes. What do you think this means for the Cowboys offense heading into 2018? Well, I, I know you're not excited about this, but for me, this is exciting because this is you know, more confirmation of what we've been talking about, that this is a move towards a matchup-based uh, you know, uh, offense that, that, that is not – you know, trying to, you know, everyone, everyone wants to talk about adjustments and, you know, and, and like things that the change, you know, they, they, they constantly wrap this team and his coaches for not being creative enough or whatever. But, but if you don't consider the idea that being creative and making adjustments is pretty limited when you have a wide receiver one and a tight end one who are basically dictated to be on the field, Every t- every take you know, snap that they're physically able to do. I'm not saying that that isn't a good thing. That having those guys on the team isn't great. Obviously, it has predicted you know produced incredible results you know for the last 15 years that Witten's been here and seven or eight years that 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 uh, uh, that Des was here. I, I, but I think the idea is that you know what this shows is that now they have a collection of guys all who have kind of differing skill sets and a guy like Hearns who they can you know is a kind of an established player if he can stay healthy they can move around to all different spots a little bit better than Dez could cuz he looks you know sounds like he's comfortable taking snaps at the at the slot at the y at the at the x um uh, at the oh, not the y but at the the slot spot and the z and the x and i i think that you know what that allows you to do is a lot more interesting formations deploy these guys into a lot more interesting personnel groups and and i think what it you can do is you can run your bread and butter plays but you can give defenses a whole bunch of different looks by giving them a whole bunch of different formations and then you know you create all kinds of different you know mismatches with the uh, the personnel that you're deploying out there I, I think this is exciting, and and I, this is hopefully what we're what we're moving towards uh, uh, as an offense. I have a lot of thoughts. Give me on that sigh. Look at that big sigh. <laughs> I know. <sighs> I will say this. Um, I am encouraged from everything that I've heard and read about Noah Brown. And again today, uh, it sounded like when they first lined up in in with their first team offense, Noah Brown was one of the the wide receivers on the field. And now, that's partially due to Terrence Williams not being there because of his broken foot. Um, he's <laughs> Noah Brown's also one of the more experienced receivers on the roster in terms of learning the system somehow after being there only a year, uh, but. It's exciting to see that Noah Brown is working himself into this offense. I think he's a guy that 
that can do a lot of different roles. And if you're looking for a guy that really looks like a, you know, a prototypical X receiver, he's probably the one guy on the roster that fits that that uh, that mold. He he's a big, strong, not overly fast, but very physical. Can come down and block. Um, it's exciting to see him getting some reps. And I also want to say uh, Lance Lenore, uh, a guy that David Hellman from DallasCowboys.com said, keep an eye on. Uh, I know he's been working hard this offseason with Noah Brown. Uh, I know he's been going to a couple different route running specialists to kind of improve his, his game. I don't think he makes the 53-man roster, but y- you never know. If he continues to work uh, and you know injuries happen, it, it wouldn't be a shock. Um, any other thoughts on the receivers before we move on? Yeah, real fast, just because you brought up uh, Brown, I was watching, I've been watching some of these games, uh, just kind of going over coaches' tape again to look at, you know, Cowboys personnel groupings and stuff. And if you watch, you know, a little bit later in the season when the game is, the, you know, the, the playoffs are still on the line, you know, the Seattle game, they spent a lot of time. That's the first game that they had Zeke back from the suspension. They, they, they spent a lot of time in uh, packages that, included Noah Brown on the line of scrimmage uh, but in a kind of a tight bunch with with a tight end being Witten off the line inside of him and then a Z kind of receiver also off the line. I really loved all the things that they were able to do in that formation. You know, they were able to all run all kinds of great running plays from there uh, with, with those guys as being blockers. They were able to run all kinds of great passing plays with those guys as receivers. I those are the, that kind of formational, uh, you know, versatility. Um, if they can do more of that stuff and take advantage of of a guy like Noah Brown, who is a good blocker and also a wide receiver, uh, it, it's it's gonna it make for a lot of, you know, a lot more wide open plays, a lot more uh, you know, versatility, a lot more creativity in the offense. Over the last five weeks of the season, Noah Brown played 93 offensive snaps. That's not yeah. a small chunk of of snaps. That's a that's a pretty decent amount considering he was what their fifth. I couldn't or sixth. believe how often he was playing watching that game. Like he was on. It felt like he was in almost every offensive snap for like two straight quarters. Well, and remember, it's not because of injuries because Dez and Terrence Williams and all those guys were available. He just earned those snaps at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and from what I'm told, he's quite a bit quicker than he was last year. Um, he's actually slimmed down a little bit. I'm really excited to see what he looks like in training camp and in the preseason. Uh, another interesting note is when the Cowboys were in their first team offense and when they had two tight ends on the field, it was Blake Jarwin and Jeff Swaim. Uh, Blake Jarwin was the one that was getting a majority of the first team snaps. Uh, Rico Gathers was uh, on the second unit, absolutely dominating. No, that's not true. I don't know. He was just—I think he was blocking or something on the second unit. Uh, but yeah, it maybe was Blake, he wasn't. Yeah, I don't know. It was uh, Jarwin and Swaim with the Cowboys' first uh, group. Any interesting thoughts on Swaim or Jarwin? Yeah, I mean, I've, I, it sounds more and more like uh, the Jarwin hype uh, that from from people that are talking to the coaches is is legit. And that he sounded like he had a really good day and looked quick and was able to get down the field and make some catches and uh, and that people are I, I I remember somebody commented saying they understand a little bit more why uh, this this team felt good about their tight end situation and that they you know they felt like with a t- fourth rounder that they would have a good situation because it, it looks like Jarwin is a guy that uh, uh, you know is going to be. Uh, better than better than we thought when we got him for sure. 
Can we talk about Rico? Is are we actually allowed to talk about Rico on this podcast? I, I know this is people get upset when I when I'm so overly positive. Maybe they're upset at you when you you don't love Rico. But um, he actually said oh, yeah some, yeah he said some interesting things today, and um, by interesting I mean very mature uh, in the sense that he he realizes that he needs to become a better blocker. Uh, he realizes that he needs to do more on special teams uh, to make the roster. Uh, I think the most interesting note that came out of today was that he said he was cleared w- by his concussion by week seven. Um, and, uh, you know, it just it was a thing of the coaches didn't trust him to get on the field. They, they wanted him to, you know, be stashed on the IR for the rest of the season. Um, what should we think about Rico and his usage so far in the OTAs? Well, apparently he didn't look great at practice today. Um, and I think that that kind of continues, you know, his his uh, adjustment to the game. I, mean, I just don't know that um, he's there yet, you know. And, and I think that, uh, you know, the people that we were watching um, uh, were – or the people that we, were, that we heard from that were watching it made it sound like – you know, they were suggesting uh, a move to tackle, and it was basically Brian Broaddus's take. That I mean, I mean, it's called Spade and Spade. No, That's what it was. No, yes. no matter, no matter, no matter who was giving it, it was Brian. I'm pretty sure it was Brian Broaddus's take. Um, I could be wrong, but uh, but it, uh, so long story short, I, I think that uh, uh, I, I think that at this point he is not necessarily someone that is in the mix. You know, for uh, you know, playing time. I mean, yeah, we're again, we're all very, very early. But I, I think unless something's drastically changed, he's fighting for a roster spot. You know, and, and I, I, I think you know he talked about how he's you know he's he's trying to get himself ready for to make a fifty-three man roster. You know, I, I just he's not the same kind of athlete that. uh you know, some of these other tight end convert basketball players were. I think he's a little bit bigger body. Yes. I, I, I think he's more of, I think he's more of a, if he's going to have a career, I think he needs to be more of a blocking tight end who, you know, can give you some, uh, you know, some looks down the field. as you He's know, more he Martellus Bennett body. than he is Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't even know that he's Martellus Bennett, though. I'm like, saying like size wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like, I would say I would definitely agree with that. With what you're on the the spectrum sort of situation. Yeah, absolutely. He he's definitely closer to uh, you know the, the big body guy who can give you some snaps sneaking behind your defense, but not necessarily you know. So, I, but I think he also still needs to get there. Like that's the other part of the problem is that he's he's still not there as a blocker to be valuable there. So is, the question is, you know, does he get there in time to be uh, on this roster this season? I, that, I don't know. This is going to be really sad if he doesn't pin out because he has so much talent. And I'm, I'm confident that he can work in some function in the NFL and some team's offense. I'm just not sure if it's here in Dallas. Um, let's go ahead and go through a couple other notes. Uh, you mentioned to me pre-show that Jihad War was a guy that a lot of people were talking about uh, after the practice today, tell us what you heard about uh, about Jihad Ward. 
Well, I mean, this is from Broadus, and yeah, I mean, they they someone asked him, uh, you know, who stood out, and and he and he pointed out Jihad Ward. He said, "There's somebody that we're going to have to look out for," and that's that's good news, obviously, because we needed some tattoo, uh, some tattoo, defensive tackle help. <laughs> I just looked at a picture of someone that a had a tattoo, and look, I just say what I see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he was he apparently he was playing one and the three. Um, he uh, was hustling a lot. Yeah, but the, the, the comment I think Broadus made was that he had really taken to the idea of running to the football, uh, you know, full speed. So, and it just looked like it sounds like he was giving uh, a lot of these guys a, a hard time on the move, and he was difficult to stop when he's on the move. And I just think that you know he. I don't know what it is, man. Like I can't, like I can't figure out Ward at times because I feel like he, when you watch him at times, he's a better athlete than his testing tells you he is, right? Like, sure. But I yeah. think, but I think that I it's, but I also don't necessarily see it all the time in his game. I I I really do. I had some excitement about him coming in because I really do think that the guy needed a position change. I think a scheme change was – if anything's going to fix this guy, it's going to be a scheme change because I just didn't think like what he was asked to do was necessarily what he's best at. You know, I think he what he's doing now is probably that. So I think this is the best opportunity for a guy with his skill set to uh, thrive. If he doesn't thrive here, then, then he really is, you know, I guess – not the player that everyone assumed he was coming out of the draft, um, but I, I, you know, I think, like I said, the fact that you know we saw success with him at the Senior Bowl uh, r- right away with uh, Marinelli, the fact that he's gotten good reviews immediately um, at these OTAs, maybe you've got something in Jihad Ward, a guy who, I mean, really at this point, you're really only counting on him to give you some solid snaps at the one and three, and you're not even necessarily counting on him to start maybe 20 snaps um, a game maybe yeah and, and so maybe he becomes a guy who is even better than that who you're giving 30 to 35 snaps you know because he can play both inside spots and he's good enough to start at one of them so I, i'll be interested to see i mean i i think uh you know if he's been playing five technique i i i've been thinking you know how different really if he's the same kind of body size is the is the job of five technique and 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 uh, you know taking on double teams as a one technique? I, you know, I think ultimately uh, the difference is that you're penetrating more, but I think that's again playing to his strength. So, yep, I, I would agree. I, I, he really could be a a, a a very viable option as the starter at one technique, who also gets you you know that pass rush ability. Still very young, just 24 years old. Um, yeah. His testing numbers are interesting because his three cone seven three eight put him in the eighty first percentile for defensive tackles. That's good. Broad jump was one hundred and twelve inches. That's in the eighty second percentile. It, it's just he had a he had a bad vertical jump, just twenty eight inches, but he's really long. Uh, it's that that three cone being able to bend is impressive. If he's playing inside, playing as a one where he can just kind of run sideline to sideline, and we talked about this on our defensive tackle show, um, but. You know, a guy that can, you know, play against the wide zone by getting up and down the line, that can be very valuable here in Dallas. So uh, a couple other quick notes. Um, This one from Jane Slater, 
Uh, she tweeted out that she saw a real maturity from Cowboys running back Ezekiel Elliott today. Uh, he was coaching up the young kids. Uh, he was talking about that's how you win in this league is by helping up the young kids, bringing them up. I uh, was also saying he's working on being a leader by example and being more vocal. Uh, Jason Garrett even mentioned that uh, Elliott had a really good offseason. He he worked extremely hard. You mentioned pre-show that he looks like he's in better shape. Uh, what what can a motivated, you know, more mature Ezekiel Elliott mean for this Cowboys roster? I mean, what what can he mean? I mean, I think you know, you look at it honestly. I mean, he is uh, as much as anybody at any point. You know, he is the single most important player on this team. I, I mean, I think. I mean, I think you know his, uh, him doing well and him performing well, uh, is I mean no less than the difference between making the playoffs and maybe going to the Super Bowl and not. You know, and and so, I I, I think, you know, it's the NFL and uh, you know, no single especially non-quarterback uh, player is going to you know, completely sink or make a team sink or swim, probably. Yep. But I think as much as any one player can that's not a quarterback, Ezekiel Elliott can. Um, so I, I think that his positive – I think that you know his negative influence is – you know, mitigated by the fact that he's a running back and that he's, you know, that the replacing uh, replacement level running back uh, production is not incredibly difficult, especially with the solid offensive line. But the, but where this team can go as far as how good can it be, that's all almost all hinged on Ezekiel. And, and I think that that the top of, you know, the ceiling of where we can go is based on, on, on how, how our ability to deploy him, properly and get production out of him. I mean, Zeke Elliott to me is the one guy on this team who I may have higher expectations than almost anybody else I speak to. Like I, we need Zeke Elliott to uh, perform at an all pro level for this team to be uh, what it needs to be. Yeah. Here's the thing. If Zeke is healthy for 15 games, I actually have no doubt that he's going to be an all pro player because he's just that good. Absolutely. But I actually think Dallas needs more than just an all-pro player. I think they need him to have, you know, one of those legendary type seasons considering where their passing game offense is at right now. I think yeah. he, need, he needs to be a guy that leads the NFL in touches and that leads the NFL in yards from scrimmage. He needs to have that kind of year. Uh, I'm thinking of like early LaDainian Tomlinson or Larry Johnson when he was with the Chiefs. Those type of seasons where... You know he's touching the ball 30 times a game, and he needs to come out with 130, 150 yards each and every single one of those weeks for the Cowboys to have success. Do you agree? I, I think that when everyone talks about, you know, is it right to draft a running back at number four overall, and and you've been one of those people. Sure, before. I am. The, the reason I say that it is is because the replacement level guy can't do what I'm going to ask Ezekiel Elliott to do. I'm going to ask Ezekiel Elliott that, you know, hey, your floor this season, the floor, we need at least 2,000 total yards from you this season, minimum. If you want to go anywhere, that's where we're starting at for the 2,000 total yards this year. That's, you know, you had 1994 in, in, in your rookie season. We need to start at 2,000. You're right. Now, so I, I, and no, no other running back. You know, I, am I going to ask that that I, I'm not going to be drafting the top half of the first round? 
So uh, that's that's the difference. Is to me, I'm asking him to take a, a portion of the quarterback's responsibility away from the quarterback and to be the engine of this offense and really the engine of the team. See, I don't think you're wrong in that sense. That there's probably very few players that could handle that role and still be successful and hold up with that workload. The level of success, the level of uh, yeah, yeah, like that's the holding up. Like the, right. that, I believe that Ezekiel Elliott can produce at that level consistently. I don't know that any of the, you know, I don't know that Todd Gurley can. I mean, he's he's shown me injury issues before. I don't, you know, like I, I, can Barkley do that with 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 the way he plays? I don't know. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's the one guy who when I if he's not being kept off the field for some other reason, I I feel solid about him not only staying healthy but producing consistently at that level. And, and I will just say as cuz I am anti running back in the top 5 and even really the top 10, but the reason why isn't because because I don't I believe that people can replace that part of Zeke. It's that I just don't believe building an entire team around a rushing game is the way to have you know a top offense and a top you know a, a dominant team in the NFL. I think you should build it around the passing game because you know the expected points value is so much greater when you pass the ball, and uh, we we've seen you know time and time again that you know the top passing teams are always higher in offense and higher in win totals and expected win totals over the top rushing teams. But the Cowboys needed a guy that they felt comfortable giving the ball 350 times a year, and they believe he can do that. Um, one last note before we go, uh, and this is probably my favorite just because it's it's kind of a fun topic this offseason. Uh, Jason Garrett uh, said, told a bunch of play- the media today a bunch of players who were not practicing. The list included uh, Sean Lee and Terrence Williams and Malik Collins. One interesting player that did not practice was David Irving, and uh, Jason Garrett actually mentioned that David Irving was out of shape and he wasn't able to practice today. So uh, we've <laughs> we've seen some reports this offseason that he's kind of tinkering with his weight. He played last year at about 300. Uh, when he came to the Cowboys uh, in 2015, he was listed at 271. There was a report this offseason that he was 320 pounds. What do you make of fat David Irving? <clears throat> uh, I think it's... I think it's confusing because I, 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 we, you know, we heard reports that he was trying to play at three twenty. Yes, I, I mean, I remember hearing that early on, and so now he's at three hundred, and they want him to play at like. It see that's what's crazy too is that we also just heard from some defensive line coach that that Mike Fisher interviewed that said he was going to be playing. At like two eighty five, or that he was that, that he was two eighty five. So I don't know, man. Like I, I kind of think that um, uh, I, I kind of feel like it, 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 it's you know that he can't. Maybe he there was a miscommunication on what size they wanted him to play at, uh, and that you know they're trying to get him to get down to a a, a slimmer weight. You know, I just. It seems odd that he came in. I I don't feel like it was that he just didn't come in in shape. I feel like he came in at improper shape. You know what I'm saying? Like not the appropriate shape. Not that it was like he came in out of shape and fat. You know, like yeah, but that's a way could, more fun story to tell. Is that David? Absolutely, fat. sure, absolutely. <laughs> I give you that for sure. Yeah, well. yeah. I I think that's what happened. I think. You know, maybe he wanted to see how his body held up at 315, 320, and if he was able to play with that. And I think knowing what Marinelli wants on defense with speed and get up the field, 
that probably didn't go over so well. So it'll David Irving actually talked about this earlier this offseason that 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 weight fluctuates all the time. Uh, it wouldn't be so shocking if he's ready to go by next week and he's right back into the starting lineup, right? No, yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I this again, this is all very early, and it's if anything, it's better to get some of these down roster defensive tackles more snaps. So, yeah, I think at this point they're like, look, let's just get him where we want him. Uh, you know, and so we can get him on track for the rest of the practices and get him at a weight that we think is an appropriate spot for where he's going to be playing. Yeah, he's just like the rest of us. He's bulking up during the winter, and then he's going to start cutting down here in the summer. So we're good. It's nothing to be concerned about so far, right? Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> All right, that's it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBTB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys, and I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time. 